Welcome to the Pinch Music Podcast, episode number 75. Today we are tackling supergroups and we are in the new year. It is now 2022 and we have not had an episode for a couple weeks, but that's okay because our 2021 episode killed it. We did a 2021 uh, in review playlist, uh, which you guys should check out. And it was fire. It was our most popular playlist to date. And still growing. Still growing. Still, People are still listening to still it. People, the, the people in France love us. Big shout out to all our listeners in France. The Deezers. Thank you very much. Uh, shout out to Deezer. It's the best place to listen to your podcast. Yeah. Anywhere you listen to yeah. podcasts, especially Deezer. So, folks, if you are stumbling upon us and you're looking for a supergroup playlist, we have... A master playlist. We do this every week. We make a master playlist, which you can find on Spotify under the Pinch Music Podcast Playlist. That's Pinch Music Podcast Playlist. We put together a giant playlist, and then we narrow it down and talk about it and debate it and argue it and have a nice time listening to music right here on the podcast. And that's what we're doing today with super groups. We, uh, we, I think we all kind of... Went into this with our, our eyes open, and then we walked out of it. Just I learned so much in the research going oh, yeah. into supergroups. I was not aware of how many quote unquote supergroups there are, and there is quite a debate on what makes a supergroup. And I'm sure we're going to get into that throughout the episode. But I want to ask you fellas before we start. Going into the the research, I'm sure we had an idea. You know, we started the episode off with Crosby, Steals, and Nash and Young, obvious supergroup. We know mm-hmm. the Highway Men. We know uh, the Traveling Wilburys. Easy stuff. That's supergroups. Everybody knows that. What did you think there was going to be so many other ones out there that you didn't know about going into it, Jim? Um, definitely discovered a lot. Definitely a lot of thought about what is a supergroup, which, as you said, we'll get we'll get into. Honestly, one that. I- doesn't actually jump to mind right away as Crosby, Stills, and Nash, but there was some argument, which was pretty convincing, that Crosby, Stills, and Nash, before Young, was actually the first supergroup. Even though that term did not exist, they came from three wildly successful bands, the Birds, Buffalo, Springfield, and the Hollies, like huge bands. And then they came together. But I think maybe the reason we don't think of them as a supergroup is because that was actually their most successful group, what they ended up doing together. That's like their band. I think the supergroup is like... The other thing that sometimes just sort of exists almost like in passing mm-hmm. for a short time. Yeah. I mean, for me, I listened to the whole playlist, um, our episode playlist mm-hmm. on the way here. Uh, for, you know, for those of you guys interested, I moved to a new house in Connecticut and I've been doing a longer commute now. My That's commute nice. was 15 minutes. Now yeah. it's an hour and 15 yeah. minutes. Um, but that does give me the opportunity to listen to a lot of music. And uh, so I listened through it and I was like, God damn, this is a great fucking playlist. I was like singing along to cream songs and shit. And um, it's a really, really good playlist. And as far as super groups are concerned, I mean, the whole reason this episode came about was because there's a new release, which will be my first pick here um, that just came out which is a super group. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh man, have you guys heard this? It's a it's a new super group. It's really, really good. And Nick was like, huh, why don't we do super groups? Well, why don't we just go right into it? We yeah, got it, we got it yeah. on cue. Let's Let, do it. Okay. That is new supergroup, The Smile, and the song is You you Will Never Work in Television. Did Mm. you say something? I said, wow. Oh. This is very good. Oh, okay. So I sent this link to the guys last week, and of course, nobody ever listens to anything I send them. That's not true. I didn't listen to this, though. So this is Tom York, the lead singer of Radiohead, Uh, Johnny Greenwood, who's also a member guitar player of Radiohead. 
and um the drummer is the drummer in the band Sons of Kemet, which is a English jazz band, which is drums and horns, which I've actually brought up on the podcast before in the, I think it was Sassy Brass. I don't know. I've probably brought them up a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I bought a couple of their records, their vinyls um, recently. They just came out with a, a an album and I love Sons of Kemet. And there's like a huge underground London jazz scene happening right now with so many cool bands. And so when I saw this come out, I was like, oh, fuck. This is a super group yeah. of like this this underground jazz drummer with Radiohead. Mm-hmm. First of all, everything Tom York- It doesn't York, sound like any of that, though. It's crazy. Like, it's yeah. not at all what I expected. But Is that Tom York doing vocals? Yeah. That didn't sound like him at all. Dude, so- this song, I've I don't think I can remember a song that I listened to over and over again before. Mm-hmm. I've listened to this song probably fifty times in the last wow. like week. Damn. I can't I'm not getting sick of it. Yeah. It's yeah. it's like so good. And it was produced by Nigel Godrich, who produces all the Radiohead stuff and is also a member of the supergroup Adams for Peace, which mm-hmm. is another supergroup with Tom York um and with Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers and Nigel Gottrich. Um, but that's another one I wanted to put on the playlist because I listen to a lot. But Tom York, man, everything Tom York does, I like. Mm. He can't do anything wrong. He's, In my opinion, he's one of the most genius uh, musicians, artists of our generation. Like, he's incredible. Mm-hmm. And I think his music is timeless. And this, I think the reason I like it so much is that... It's exactly like how I feel right now with the pandemic and just with like my move in life and just where I'm at. Like it's really resonating with me because it's like you're never going to work in television again. It's yeah. Well, that's the best. That's what it's all about. It's like super hip sounding, but it's also like angry and rock. It's just rock Mm. and roll. There's an angst to it that I have felt has been lacking in a lot of music Mm -hmm. for years is just this this angst this yeah you know that's uh, you know i bring this up all the time is you know the generation before me my generation the words teenage angst has always been the words that you would describe the popular music the kids were listening to that the adults Mm -hmm. just didn't understand yeah and maybe i don't understand today's generation but when i listen to it sure as hell doesn't sound like angst yeah, this yeah. has like just like a ah fuck you yeah yeah vibe, it's, but yeah. in like such a beautiful production yeah. way. Like it's Nigel Godrich is an engineer and producer. He's a fucking genius, dude. Yeah. And what's annoying mm-hmm. is he never does like any like tutorial videos or hey, how do I do this? He yeah. just does his thing, and it's so well, good, and nobody mm-hmm. knows how. Yeah, well, that's yeah. Got to keep that secret sauce, man. Well, but uh, do you though? Because even yeah. if he was to give his but, tips, I don't think anybody would make yeah. it sound like he makes it well, sound. Yeah. Jim, I think, go ahead. Yeah, but it is something that you're saying, just also the angst. It's something I've been thinking about, and I hate to be the guy that, you know, I really try not to do this, like, dump on popular new music, because it's something I used to do a lot, and I realize that's stupid. Um, But I, I always think to myself, where are the fucking bands that are, yeah. like, huge, you know? What do you mean? Like, the rock bands? Like, yeah, like, what happened to the band? Everything's not everything, but like most the, things are like solo band, artists. You mean the actual band, the band, <laughs> or like <laughs> no, you mean like, like rock and roll? Sure, rock and roll or whatever, any any genre. Because so you can't split massive, up. You can't split up streams five yeah. ways. No, yeah, the massive artists tend to be solo artists now. Yeah, yeah, and what's annoying about this release? The only thing that's annoying about this release is the fact that it's not an album. Yeah, and as not I yet. go. As I go through this like release radar on Spotify and stuff, which is now like algorithmi- algorithmically catered to me, which mm-hmm. is annoying. I just want to know what is right. out. Wh- show me everything that's out and let me choose. I don't want the computer to choose yeah. for me. But so oh. many of these that are out, like Christian Scott has a new, Christian Scott, whatever, has a new release and it's a single. Like everything is singles. Like, mm-hmm. I want to hear an album. That's the one thing that's annoying me. It's, yeah. it's a single. Maybe I'm listening to it so much because there's not an album. Yeah. But I'm like, fuck me, man. Give me a goddamn album. Also, mm-hmm. band The Smile, right? Like, there's a bunch of bands called The Smile mm-hmm. on Spotify, which I find interesting. Oh, yeah. Like, are they getting tons of plays now? There's a lot of oh, that nice. going on. There's a lot of that going on. There is a lot of old 
emo punk bands that pop up on my uh, release radar. I'm like, ooh, what's this? And it's just like a SoundCloud rapper. And it's got to be like an, an SEO kind of thing of like stealing people's names to get more shine, which is brilliant yeah. and awful at the same time. You should do that. Um, I want to pose a question before we go to the next song, though. This is... We just got done saying that this is Tom York, Radiohead, and sounds nothing like them. Isn't that kind of the idea of a supergroup, though, is, hey, I want to do something different? I don't think so, because so let look... Me, let, me, let me pair up well, with buddies from other bands, and hey, let's mm-hmm. try something new. Like, why Why do people form supergroups? And I, I, I don't think know. It's be, I think it's really... The supergroup is, I want to work with those people... And I want to collaborate artistically with them. I don't know whether it's like I want to do something that sounds different per se. Like, for example, like the radio or the Rage Against the Machine stuff that you put on. Like, there's Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. But like, even, even, um, Audio Slave, you know what I mean? Like, it's just Rage Against the Machine with Chris Cornell. Right. So, like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's more just, hey, I've met them at a pub or something and I like really get along with them. And we had a great conversation about music. And you know what? We should fucking do something together. Yeah. I don't think it's a publicity thing per se. I think it's more of a, hey, I want to do something artistically. Right. But that's just my perspective. Yeah. Well, let's get into the what, next what song. The next thing is an interesting lead into something with the next band, though. So. So that is Presence of the Lord by Blind Faith. And Blind Faith is Eric Clapton from Cream and the Yardbirds, Ginger Baker from Cream, Steve Winwood from Traffic and the Spencer Davis Group, and Rich Gretsch from Family, who is definitely not as big as those bands, but was a prog rock pioneer. And I would say in the public consciousness, this was the first supergroup that people were like, they formed and people said, this is a supergroup. And there was massive anticipation for this band after it was announced. Cream broke up in like 68 maybe. There was a huge fallout between Ginger Baker and Jack Bruce. And then, you know, a few months later they said, we're going to form a band with Steve Winwood. And Steve Winwood was a massive star solo and with Traffic and the Spencer Davis group. And they performed their first concert in Hyde Park a hundred thousand people came. There was, you know, it was just massive anticipation. There were articles written in like Rolling Stone and Life magazine about the fact that this group was forming and it was like a new it like ushered in the wave of seventy supergroups that we see with all this other stuff that Eric Clapton's a part of a lot of them, Ginger Baker's a part of a lot of them. Um, it was a massive thing. But it also leads back to another debate, which is Cream being called the first supergroup, which is is interesting because Jack Bruce and Ginger Baker are the other members of Cream. And they were successful as musicians go. Being a musician is a brutal business, very difficult to find any success in. And they were members of somewhat successful groups, no big hits. If you ask someone walking down the street who is Jack Bruce, they would have no fucking idea. But they were they were members of pretty successful groups, one called the Graham, Graham Bond Organization, which, to be fair, does not have its own Wikipedia page. So that might be saying something. So there is a debate. Is Cream the first supergroup? Or I would or have... Not? See, now I go back... And here's and here's the thing, before I start saying anything. I have no strong opinion or yeah. feelings on this, so I'm not like, I don't, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think Cream is because they're a supergroup retrospectively. Mm-hmm. At the time... And I'm not knocking Ginger Baker. Ginger Baker is known as one of the greatest drummers of all time. But at the time he formed Cream, were people saying that? Probably not. No way. Yeah, I feel like Cream was just a band. Yeah. But like, I think I think the reason that they come up on the supergroup thing mm-hmm. is because I think there's two understandings of what a supergroup is. Mm-hmm. 
right? So I think there's the understanding of a supergroup is like a trio or like, you know, of like rock guys. Okay. You know what I mean? Like a power trio. Like a power trio. Like, yeah. you know, I, like Hendrix. Yeah. Like, a, or, you know, like a... like a. All three of them are great musicians that can stand on their own, but they're in a I, band. Here's, yeah. here's my definition. A supergroup is the Avengers, not the X-Men. It's yeah. okay, that means nothing to it's me. It's superheroes. <laughs> I like that. It's though. superheroes yeah. that stand on their own that come together to form a group, not a collective of people who together became superheroes on their own. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I agree. So, like, with new, that said, new the edition, song I was singing along to was Cream. Yeah, but maybe it wasn't a supergroup song I was singing mm-hmm. to. New edition, not a supergroup. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> that spawned massive careers and hits afterwards. Yeah. Okay, yeah. the Wu Tang Clan, not a supergroup because they were nothing. Before they got together, keep it in hip hop, and we're gonna. I'm gonna touch on hip hop for just a second. Mm-hmm. Um, boot camp clip, click. That is to me a super group, but I can talk about that in a little bit later because that was a little bit different. There were a group, a collection of groups in Brooklyn who got together to form a super group. So Cream, in my opinion, not a super group. Um, Temple of the Dog, not a super group. It gets listed in all the lists. It is interesting, some of the ones that get listed. And I think that's just because of the the not clear definition of what a right. supergroup yeah. is. But, but I think we're all on the same page as to what we think a supergroup is, which is uh, members of bands or artists that are already successful, mm-hmm. right, and known, and coming together to collaborate on a new project. And nothing says that more than the next group. I was a highway man Along the coach roads I did ride With sword and pistol by my side Many a young maid lost her baubles to my trade Many a soldier shed his lifeblood on my blade The master hung me in the spring of 25 that is Highway Man by the Highwaymen, which comprises of Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, and Chris Christopherson. Mm. Four monsters in country music. The the forefathers, the Mount Rushmore of outlaw country, if you will. <laughs> and these, I mean, these four coming together are just just the idea of the amount of talent and just. Oh, I mean, this is the quintessential supergroup. Them and the Traveling Wilburys. I, to me, I think it's just—I think it's just incredible that these four got together. And the thing—the fun thing about this is, they have all worked together throughout their careers. You know, backing bands or just being on stage together, touring. You know, they've all worked together. They're all buddies, and they were basically were just like, "Hey, you guys want to? What are you doing tomorrow? You guys want to do an album? Us four? Yeah, sure." They did it wildly successful went on their way years later do you know what year this was 82 85 82 or 85 and then it's like Mm -hmm. then they go away and to quote uh, a wu-tang reference they formed like voltron again and Mm -hmm. they made another album and then they separate and go on their ways and it's just like to me is when you're when you are a successful musician and you get to work with your friends and do whatever it is that you want to do as a passion project because you lose passion after a while the business will wear you down and you lose your passion you you lose the the i do music because it's art and it's fun so when guys like this get together to then like reignite that passion you can't help but just get on board with it yeah so here's my take on this it's hard. That's what she said. That's not my take. That was but, your take? Okay. That was it? Um, <laughs> the problem is the, they're, in in a way, a victim of the 80s, right? Yes. Because mm-hmm. this is a challenging listen because it's very cheesy. Oh, without a doubt. And, I mean, the cover of the album. I'm not even... Look. Here's the thing. Is I like each one of these artists extremely, mm-hmm. like, very passionately on their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there is this risk of a supergroup getting together and creating really cheesy music. Now, I, when, oh, I, when, that's a thing. when yeah. I was listening to this on the way here, I, I was thinking, it, I'm going to challenge myself and make myself listen to these songs. And like, hey, mm-hmm. what is it about this that is making me not like it? 
And mm-hmm. I think for me, particularly, it's the production. Mm-hmm. You know, if this was recorded in the 70s, I feel like it'd be a completely, even the same song, everything, but like the the production of it makes it makes it cheesy. But if you listen to the words, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's more interesting. But but there is this thing. Well, I want to. I want. Yeah. Did you notice how I described this song and this band? I never said that the group itself made great music. Mm-hmm. I like the I, idea that the four of them got together, and then when you hear them four together having fun and reigniting their passion, it's easy to get on board with. Mm-hmm. But I don't listen to this. This is mm-hmm. not good. A lot of super groups suck. I think, th- but that's a really good point. I also bring back to what I was saying and thinking about Crosby, Sills, and Nash. The reason we don't think of them as a super group is they're too good. They feel like an actual band, mm-hmm. not four superstars totally. that are like coming together and try to make something work there's there's a couple super groups that i discovered um two with the same name well one i already knew but the firm which is in hip-hop nas uh oh, okay. az foxy brown nature and then produced by dr dre that was a flop mm-hmm. then there's the firm with jimmy page and i believe he uh um artist with um Got the Cure was it? No, I'm getting. Um, I'm running them all together now. Jimmy Page is great. Jimmy Page, the, but the or, I'm sucks, sorry, so. I was thinking Robert Plant. Robert Plant is great at coming together for collaborations that end yeah. up cheesy. But yeah. he so well, but the firm cheesy. the firm once again 80s didn't just it's like oh this is ugh, what the hell is this? No, no. Um, bad, Dave, bad company. Was bad the, company. Yeah. David Bowie. Do you know he had a, yeah. a quote unquote super group? He that came was up, the one with the cure. That yeah. was called Tin Machine. Mm-hmm. I listened to it this morning. And when it first came on, I was like, this sucks. Yeah. And then I was and then I saw <laughs> Bowie and I was like, all right, let Which me. Which isn't the first time you've done that with yes, Bowie. Yes, I by know. The way. But you know, I've come to realize like not everything he did was great. So and that that is the question that I posed of why these bands form supergroups. Because they probably get bored doing what they're doing. You're so popular doing what you do. All your fans love it. No matter what you do, people are going to, oh, my God. Well, I want to do something different. I want to reinvent myself. Hey, it may not be commercially successful, but I want to try it because I'm an artist. And I think that's what happens a lot. Also, I think it's also important to to understand the difference between a super group and a side project. There's a lot of side projects. The members of Blink-182 have 107 side projects. They're not super groups. They're not. They're it's not just mutually side- exclusive either. No. If exactly. you do it with another big star, it could yeah. be a super group. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a side project is this, you know, a couple guys that you like that played for this band and played for that band and mm-hmm. we're going to get together and eh, maybe it's not super, but it's a side project. Mm-hmm. So very interesting. Very interesting how we uh, we heard the one of the greatest super groups of all time for the, the, the legends that are. Cash, Jennings, Christofferson, and Nelson, and then you listen to the song, you're like, this kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. Last night as I lay on the boxcar Just waiting for train to pass by What will become of the hobo Whenever his time comes to die So this is Hobo's Meditation. That's the name of the song, which is amazing. And that's Dolly Parton, mm-hmm. Linda Ronstadt, and Emily Emily Harris. Mm. And I came across this. This is kind of a new discovery for me. And there's a lot in here that I realize why I like it. Well, one, these three are amazing. But this mm-hmm. is a this is an album that came out in the eighties. So this is basically the female version of what of yeah. the Highwaymen. Yeah. yeah. But uh, good. Yeah. Right? It's they not sti- cheesy. They stick to yeah. their roots here. I mean, bit. they're singing this song. Okay, so did you refer to them as trio, by the way? That's no, that's like, just the name of the album. So I don't know if they're called Trio, hmm. but like on Spotify, their names are three different yeah. names, you know? Yeah. But like the song itself is about hobos and wondering if hobos, when they die, are going to be treated with respect in heaven or are they still going to be hobos? Hmm. Well, according to the Bible, they will be. I know that. But that's interesting, right? Yeah. But if that's if they were good and but hobos. You know what I mean? Were they good hobos? Uh, yeah. What makes a good hobo? I don't know. Are there more morals 
different than like and their moral standings different than normal people or is it just hey i did good to others but like by sneaking on a train do you, is that good or bad that's like morally not good like Hard you to should say well is it i don't know according to whose morals the train people yeah Okay. So, are they going to be treated well? I don't know. It's an interesting question. I was like, huh, yeah, hobo's meditation. The meek shall inherit the earth. I know that. It's pretty interesting, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but, I digress. Mm-hmm. This, <laughs> <laughs> but this uh, production is really good because it was produced and recorded by George Massenberg. Mm. Now, he is a very well-known electrical engineer and founder of GML Audio, Oh, wow. Which makes some of the most sought-after musical parametric equalizers in the world. So cool. he he wrote an art, uh, a paper in 1972 or something like that mm. about parametric equalization. And he was an uh, engineer as well as an, an, uh, electro- working in electronics. And he started to make his own stuff. But he's worked with a ton of artists. He's a really well-known engineer. And everything he does sounds pristine and amazing. And this is a perfect example. The production on this is fantastic. Now, that it's just interesting the difference between production and something like this, which is clean, beautiful, and amazing. And this was done in 87, I think. Yeah. And then The Highwaymen, which was like a victim of the 80s, which is like, sure, it might be pristine and clean, but it's not tasteful do you know what i mean yeah yeah um at least according to our standards now yeah according and 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 of course that's all subjective right but i think you would you Mm -hmm. would you would take nine out of ten people and they would probably agree yeah if you line those more authentic if you line those two songs up you know which one sounds better yeah and that a lot of this stuff these um so these three wanted to do collaborations in the 70s but record lab- they were all three on different record labels and they mm-hmm. weren't able to collaborate in the 70s so finally in the 80s um they were able to so that's mm. where where this came about yeah nice have you guys ever listened to this stuff no but it's no i in awesome. fact this was one of the bands that i kind of discovered doing research i wasn't even really aware of it yeah it's really good let's move on It takes a while to get it into it. It takes a while, but. yeah. But anyway, it, that is The Interworld and the New Innocence by Praxis. And as we were just alluding to, quite a long song, uh, indicative of a lot of their music, which is a little on the proggy side, takes a bit to uh, get into. But um, I really wanted to include this group or another group from their huge family of supergroups, but this was sort of the first one of this group. So it's Bill Laswell. Um, who I don't know if he's actually playing or he just brought, brought the group together and produced it, but he's a bass player. Um, you have Buckethead on guitar, Bernie Worrell, one of my favorite keyboard players of all time from Parliament Funkadelic, uh, Brain, who's the original, or sorry, second drummer from Primus, uh, Bootsy the Collins. Set, the other drummer. <laughs> the other drummer from The Roots. Um, the Bootsy, Inside joke. Yes. Bootsy Collins, of many things, Parliament Funkadelic solo, etc. Um, and Africa Baby Bam, who I'm not familiar with, but a somewhat famous DJ doing uh, on the turntables. Uh-huh. So this is a very out there group. Obviously, a lot of super famous, uh, well-respected artists in the group. Um, gets very experimental, which which I like. They they definitely weren't trying to capitalize on any sort of commercial success, although you know they were very well reviewed amongst critics. Um, definitely check them out if you have a, a couple hours to kill to get through some of their albums, but. The reason I wanted to include them is more because of this idea. Like I said, it's like a family of supergroups that all these guys are are in constantly. Like Buckethead's Buckethead, but he's almost more known for like 
playing with these random other people. Like he does a bunch of stuff with Les Claypool, who has his own like family of super groups with uh, Oysterhead, which includes Trey yeah. Anastasio, Story you Copeland. Put a, you put a bunch of these on the master yeah. playlist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I hit one, I'm like, oh wait, that's that's like there's like ten different super groups. So good yeah, too, Les, and they're all Les, really good. Les Claypool yeah. is he everything he does is a as a super but th- this song came yeah. on on my commute and i listened to the whole thing and yeah. and it was awesome and f- at first i thought nick put it on yeah. for some reason the way the ordering was yeah. and i was like how the fuck nick put on a good pick <laughs> it happens That's occasionally so and then i realized it was jim and i was like ah, oh, that makes sense and then like all the other stuff started coming on the less claypool stuff and mm-hmm. man like that stuff is so crazy. It's like the Zappa world. Kinda. Oh yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. it's like hip jazz guys who are playing like f- fusion, uh, sort yeah. of silly music. A lot of it is like on the sillier side, oh, right? Time, so they yeah. just have fun with it. They're silly. They're yeah. kind of dorks, yeah. like playing hip music. Yeah. But you know? it's like Zappa though. It's like yeah. it's 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 like funny almost, but it's like holy shit, this is really like complex and weird and yeah. And like inventive. he'll go through four time signatures yeah. in a two minute period and. You yeah. know, he, he, he was very musical and all that, you know, but like, yes, it's, uh, it's that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a whole subculture of the, of that family of stuff. Yeah, totally. But this is yeah. a new discovery for me. Yeah. And this is one where I'm going to put the whole album on. Yeah. Ooh. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> I did. The coffee is coming back. All of France just heard it too. Yeah. All of France heard it. How crazy is that? Like the French people are listening to this. Merci beaucoup. Oh, right, not if you, anymore. But no, <laughs> my French is good. Remember, yeah. I grew up over there, yeah, right? Yeah. So my, you know, that merci. I have the R's. You burned okay. your house down in France. I burned my house down in fucking France. Yeah, you know what I mean. I think I, I, I earned my right. Yeah, you okay. know. Yeah. Um. But yes, thank you for listening. Yeah. And and if you want to be really nice, write us a review on iTunes. And you know what? You could do it in French. Or Deezer. Write it on Deezer. Or, Deezer or, or have Deezer. Reviews? Sorry, that's right. Share. Do you like, do Deezer? I need to comment. get Deezer. Yeah, I do Deezer, of course. Big do shout you? out to Deezer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah absolutely. Do they pronounce it Deezer? 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 No. J'adore le Deezer. I don't think so, but maybe. I don't know. It's... You tell us. French people? French. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, should we move on yeah. to this one? I got stuff to say about this one. I put it on for that. <laughs> That is song is Soul Survivor by the band Asia, which I had no idea. I always thought Asia was just a cheesy '80s band mm-hmm. that I liked. Yeah, no idea that it was a prog rock supergroup. No idea. I was looking into this, and then I started digging in, and it, it consists of uh, let's see, uh, John Wetton of a band that you guys may or may not know of King Crimson. Uh, Steve Howell. Yeah, but yes. everybody was in Crimson well, and Family, which Rich well, from well, this is Blind this Faith is why I, this is why I put the whole th- this is why I put the song on is mm-hmm. because it's like the linchpin of this episode. Uh, Steve Howell, yes. Uh, Jeff Dow's also of yes, and the Buggles and Carl Palmer of Emerson Lake and Palmer, who are also a super group, and Greg Lake, also of King Crimson. Correct, but that doesn't you mean would, anything. Hold on, Scott. Okay. Jeez, we all you hate everything. Relax. Let I don't hate care. everything. I like the smile. It. I like you the band. The smile. About, you want to talk about a band who got? Cut I don't hate by everything. The, I just by hate the your 80s, picks by the eighties. I just hate yours. Well, just because oh I put God. it on the podcast doesn't I, I, I mean will that say that there is no doubt this is a super group. Yeah, of course King it's a Crimson, super group. Yes. Look, I love Emerson Lake and Palmer. I will just say this: in the Buggles, I, I, I on my commute. I tried. I was like, I'm going to listen to this whole fucking song, uh-huh. and I only made it to 40 seconds. It's that's what I'm saying. Is Asia is a pop, an 80s pop band that I had no idea. This is why I put it on the playlist. I'm not saying, oh my god, this is so good, you guys. I'm saying that Asia to me was in the heat of the moment. Right. It's, it's pop music from the 80s. You like it, you don't. Whatever, who cares? And then I lo- did research. And I'm like, oh my god, this is being. It's it's uh, it's a prog rock supergroup, and then I go back and I listen to it, and I can hear 
the prog rock influences. Yeah. But then you hear just the overproduction in the 80s and the cheesiness of that. And it's like, huh. And it's the it was the first time that I put it all together of like, oh, I can hear prog rock. Even the artwork is that cheesy, dorky van art of, you know, whatever myth, mythical world that those nerds in prog rock do. And it was just mind-blowing to me that a band that is well-respected on this podcast, King Crimson, had a lot of footprint in it. And I just never, I didn't know well, that. And it blew if, my mind. If Robert Fripp was in Asia... I think it would be very different, like because Crimson. And that's the vocalist, Crim- right? He's a guitar player um, of King Crimson. He usually writes most of the stuff, uh-huh. and like mm-hmm. Crimson is a band that has a lot of different players. So they're almost Crimson can be in a, in the world of the Zappionians as well, where you get a lot of the those types of people playing in King Crimson because it demands a certain type of musicianship. Right, so like you need to be a, an extremely good musician to be able to pull off and play the music of King Crimson. So you get a lot of those people that are like from Crimson, right? But Crimson, mm-hmm. you know, isn't like a group that has the same players all the time. I mean, Fripp is the underlying Crimson guy. He's, he's yeah. the king. You know, yeah. he is the king, right? So you can. So yes. So some of these players are playing. You know in crimson but that but they're playing that music so it's a little bit different you know and of course dude prog a lot of prog stuff is very cheesy uh-huh. and particularly uh-huh. in the 80s and stuff like that like again victims of the 80s you can be a victim of the 80s in a good way or a bad way yeah stevie wonder so you win some you lose some yeah. you know what I i'm mean, saying i think these the band really pulls from two of the cheeseheads of prog rock which i mean yes and emerson lake and palmer like those I, are two, I love both those bands, but I don't they are really. Cheesy. I don't really listen to those bands. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're yeah. not my progs. Yeah. My progs are King Crimson. Really, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and you can listen to Crimson stuff that was done in the '80s, and it's really good. Yeah, it's very different. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just, I thought it was. It's just, a great talking point. Yeah, and that's what I, I, I brought it up for. It's like I'm not putting on. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm putting this on just to get. You know, Scott's got to get all fired up. Um, I am not suggesting. <laughs> That's two. It's actually two songs I put on this playlist. I'm like, it kind of sucks. It kind of, <laughs> kind of brings to but my. That's point. your role. Look, your role is to put yeah, on shitty I'm, music. I'm I get it. To, I, I try to represent yeah. every angle of it. Yeah. Um, a super group's like the Yankees. Just because you're an all star from another team and then you sign with the Yankees, don't mean you're going to be good. That's a sports reference. Okay. We got comic books. We got sports. Maybe yeah. I'll bring up a wrestling reference to tie it all together. They can't all be the Miami Heat. I certainly hope not. Yeah. Don't well, bring up the arm. Oh, that was gross. So what Uh, point of the episode are we in now? So we've gotten a lot of feedback from the listeners, right, about this point in the episode. People want to hear this, right, Nick? Yes, we we didn't do a live read with Tidbit Jim once, and the fans, you out there, the pinchers, roared at us and said, we want a live read with Tidbit Jim. So back by popular demand, you asked for it. It's now time for a live read with Tidbit Jim. A supergroup is a musical group whose members are already successful as solo artists or as part of other successful groups or well-known in other musical professions. The term can also be applied to a group that has no specific preferred genre. Hmm. The term is usually used in the context of rock and pop music, but it has occasionally been applied to other musical genres. A supergroup sometimes forms as a side project, with no intention that the group will remain together. In other instances, the group may become the primary project of the members' careers. It became popular in the late 60s rock music for members of already successful groups to record albums together, after which they normally disband. So Thank you, you, Jim. There you go. The little little definition of a supergroup. Uh, I think the genre thing and the side project thing are very interesting in that. 
And what were we listening to, Jim, while we while you gave that nice read? Uh, that was well. First of all, that was an excerpt from the uh, Wikipedia page on supergroups, I believe. Yes. And we were listening to the Three Tenors. Who are those guys? Um, I can never remember, but it's Pavarotti. I think it says on there, buddy. Santiago yeah, it, Domingo. It's, uh, there you go. Domingo. Yep. yep. Placido Domingo. Placido Domingo. Excuse me. Um, and the other tenor. And, and the Ho- other one. And the, the tenor from the, the third, roots. The third tenor, uh, Jose Carreras. Ah, who yes. who also plays for the Mets. Who's, who's, uh, <laughs> whose illness is the reason why these three got together. Hmm. And this is a, an interesting part of the show because we were just kind of debating on supergroups. We're kind of all on the same page. And I said to you guys last night, I was like, look, I'm not going to put on the three tenors if we're just going to start arguing about what's a supergroup, what's not a supergroup. Let's just, it, it, I, we don't need to yell at each other over mm-hmm. this. And Jim said, yeah, that's probably a good idea. So my question is, are the three tenors a supergroup? And if not, why? Um, I, I really think, because to me, at least it is a rock, pop, rap phenomenon. That that's really it for me, and they are. It's as far as I know, it's all covers. I think part of the appeal of the supergroup is, oh, they're coming together. What are these guys going to do? Well, I know what the three tenors are going to huh. do. They're going to sing great classical vocal music. I know, I know. Yeah. it's going to sound like they sound. What if they came out and they sang Rage, like Rage Against the Machine? Well, well, that would be a cover. Yeah, I mean, that would be a cover. Yeah, or they. Yeah. Well, that because that's interesting because. I also saw that you know one of one of my old favorite bands, Me First and the Gimme Gimmies, mm-hmm. is a super group, if you will, of old punk bands coming coming together. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, they do covers, but they do it in a punk wor- uh, version. You know, Fat Mike of No Effects kind of fronted that band, and I'm like, that's not a super group though. That's just yeah. four dudes that like each other. They're doing covers in the yeah. in the genre that they yeah. like. Whereas the three tenors. It's interesting because, and look, I don't know a lot about them, so I was doing a little research. The three of these guys hated each other. They were like <laughs> rivals, and then, but that. they were they were such they were so good and so popular and massively successful mm-hmm. that they respected each other but hated each other because they were their their competition. And then kind of how I feel about you. Yeah, we're the three. Tenors. Although I don't respect you. And then Correa's got <laughs> Correa's got sick. Mm. And they decided to come together for like a a concert or work mm. something, and it was like a massive success. And it was just like, well, to call these guys not a supergroup just doesn't seem fair because they were three of the greatest at what they do, came together and performed together. Yeah, but I but just then don't... that also knocks on the door of, well, we are the world. Why isn't that a supergroup? Right. And to Jim's point, there's got to be some sort of artistic origin and beginning of like us three getting together and doing something new. Yeah. And I think that has something to do with it. But I don't know. What the fuck do I know? Yeah. I think the interesting thing about the covers as well, this is a big reason why Blind Faith broke up is because they had six songs and they had to do this huge tour and they're like, we don't have enough songs. So they would just play Cream and Traffic songs. And then they're like, this is stupid. What are we doing? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there is that. There's that like, oh, it's cool. These two guys are coming together and doing something new. It's like three tenors sound great, but it's not nothing. There's nothing groundbreaking happening. Yeah, I don't think I. I don't know if I'd call it a supergroup just because it's not in the genre. I think it's not in a genre of what people normally think of as supergroups. Yeah. No, I. But no, I, I mean, I, I, think I agree. It, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting yeah. point, though. It definitely is. That is Audio Slave, like a stone, and I think most people know Audio Slave is basically Chris Cornell <laughs> and Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. 
Um, Tom Morello on guitar, who has the most unique style. He's one of the most unique guitar players. Like as soon as you hear him playing guitar, you know it's him, which I think is a really hard thing to do. Um, yeah. You know, with the sea of guitar players that are out there, uh, there's only a couple, few, like a handful of people who you can say that about. Um, Hendrix, obviously, being one of them. Eric Clapton, Sylvia Yvonne. Um, blah 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 you know what i mean robert fripp just throwing that out there too yeah. um john schofield does but now that's guitar <laughs> players which by the way we could definitely do an episode on guitar players we've already yeah, done that we did that but we could do it what again. do you mean we did it we did way it way back when. we did a what? we did so go back in the archives folks and check yeah. this episode out it was a different format yeah. we came up with a laundry list of guitarist and we just hit the play button then we would turn it down talk about it and then turn it up and whatever was on we talked about it It was one of the more oh. the more fun episodes we've ever done i don't even remember that yeah, my memory is of- bad because i think i have like dementia slightly yeah, like i do. have migraines the whole thing yeah. yeah sure you just told us that five minutes ago yeah i did right yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um short-term memory no, loss. It, it was actually one of our best remote zoom episodes i think yeah it was a ton yeah. of fun um yeah. but let me ask you this then now just for you know debate purposes does the name change, is that all it takes? Because this is Rage Against the Machine with a new frontman. Well, that I think it's different. Group? I think I think it's different because, I mean, one is like rapping over, you know, so ra- they, Rage they, is kind of they rapping, cha- right? They change, Singing, genre, they change genres and change names, but it's essentially the same core members. They just change sure. frontman. So like, for instance, Van Halen changed their frontman and got in Sammy Hagar. That's not a super group. It's the same exact scenario. They kind of their their sound changed, but they kept the same name. Mm-hmm. Therefore, not a supergroup. Whereas Rage Against the Machine goes to Audio Slave, brings in Chris Cornell from a massively popular band, but now it's a supergroup. Which is I don't know. I, that's why I'm like Temple of the Dog. I don't think they're a supergroup because they weren't. It's really... a fair argument, but again, these are the bands that are on all the supergroup yeah. lists. Yeah, and I'm right. Just, yeah. So I think it's it's mm-hmm. fair to put on as that. But also, Audio Slave is really good. Yeah, and man, it's crazy. The production in the '90s, though, is such a unique sound. Right? The, this was kind of 2000s, though, wasn't it? Not was the, it? I think it I sounds know. like '90s to me. It I might no be idea. early 2000s, but I mean, it has that. It, what whatever, it is is '90s or early 2000s. Yeah, it has yeah. it has the like early digital. Yeah, like early advanced digital sound which is like mm. very clean and bright yeah. um but i don't know uh well it's interesting that i brought this up and once again i i don't have strong opinions on any of this so i'm not debating this till till i get blue in the face but it is a different sound so it's yes it's rage against the machine with a new frontman but it's not it's a different sound yeah these mm-hmm. are very rage different rage against songs. the machine with two new frontmen are on later on in the episode and we'll get to that when we get to that yeah because mm. That was interesting as well. I just put that on. You forgot to hit next. Yeah, yeah. That's it. (laughs) I was was trying to come up with something. That is Captain Beyond, and the song is Dancing Madly Backwards on a Sea of Air. And this one was a very new discovery for me. Never heard of them. Really enjoyed it. Uh, They're from 1972, and the band consists of former Deep Purple's original singer, Rod Evans, Bob Caldwell, who was Johnny Winter's drummer, and then two former members of Iron Butterfly, uh, the guitarist Larry Reinhardt and bassist Lee Dorman. And, well, I put this on here for two reasons. One, new discovery. I really enjoyed it. Um, very, like, proggy, space rock, sort of, you know, jazzy sort of crossing genres. Um, and the other reason is I think everywhere I read about them, it says supergroup. And I, I think they might be another band that's sort of on the edge of the definition of supergroup. They were in massively successful rock bands, some of the biggest rock bands of the 60s and 70s that had huge hits, chart toppers, but... 
these guys aren't like the guys from these bands. Like Rod Evans, this sounds so Deep Purpley, right? But like Rod Evans is like the original singer of Deep Purple. He's not the famous singer from Deep Purple. So is it a super group? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's definitely in that realm, though. It's like, hey, you play in a, a great band. You play in a great band. They're all really successful and known, but you're kind of like the guy in what's, the background. What's the word, let's, let's what's make the word thing. under super? <laughs> right? Like, uh, not you don't yeah. want super glue. You want something that's going to be a little less strong. Yeah. I, I don't know what the term is for that. What's a word that's a little bit less than super? Uh, great group? Prominent. It could be like uh, more like an epoxy, you know? It's yeah, like, it's epoxy like a, whole, a whole different concept. It's more of an well, epoxy group. That's, you know what, Jim? That's a it's, great... It's that's like a, two things that are pretty good coming together, but making something actually better than most super groups. I actually right. think... So here's here's just a wild take, and it's going to lead into the next song. Mm-hmm. Super groups that take the, the all-star of the best bands and mash mm-hmm. them all together usually don't work. They're usually like, yeah. man, we've already... We look... We had the Highwaymen, the men for the greatest of all time, come together, and it's like, oh, okay. Then the next group, kind of the same thing. I'll get to that in a minute. But then you have these guys who are like, they're in the fourth, they're or they're in the back of these really popular bands, come together to make a super group. I mm-hmm. read somewhere, and I couldn't. This is the one I'm like, no. Someone said, Ner- or. Uh, Foo Fighters were a super group. I'm like, mm. shut up. Yeah. Because Dave Grohl was the background drummer of... Who else, though? But then... But so, like, um, Pat Smear was, like, in a wildly popular punk band in the L.A. scene of that time. Mm. I can't even remember the name. Uglies or something like... I, I, hmm. I'm probably... Something like that. But it was a really, really prominent underground pop ba- or punk band. And yeah, cool. Like The Germs. The Germs. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, The Germs are a huge punk band in the LA scene, but they're not popular. They're not, Matt, people don't know who The Germs are. Mm-hmm. So when Pat Smear comes together with Dave Grohl, who was the drummer of Nirvana, mm-hmm. who there's, there's, a, there's an know, imbalance there too. It's like Nirvana yeah. and like a pretty successful and, band. And by the way, Foo Fighters were brought together as the backing band the, or the touring band. The first ever Foo Fighters album was Dave Grohl in his mm. garage. That's mm. it. He did all the instruments. Was it actually in a garage though, or do Probably. people just say that? I think it was actually in the garage. That's why he's so uh, um, associated with garage because he's that's where he does his shit. But Dave Grohl is the Foo Fighters. And then he's like, well, I'm going to go on tour now, so I need some bandmates. And he picked his mm. buddies. I was like, hey, this yeah. guy's really cool from the germs. Want to play lead guitar? And then all the other guys mm-hmm. were like, yeah, but like, that's not a super group. That's not no. a super group. No. Just mm-hmm. not. So when I saw yeah. that, I was like, ugh, gross. And it's kind of the same thing that Jim's saying is like, yeah, they play guitar. Like the uh, the guy from who played guitar with Santana, he went on to do all kinds of groups with other members. And it's like, I don't know, are those super groups? You know, he he worked with Sammy Hagar and one guy from Journey, and it's like, yeah, but it was before Sammy Hagar was Sammy Hagar. And it was like, that's just because it's four guys mm-hmm. from popular bands. If you don't know who they are going into the group, it's kind of hard to call them super. I don't know, just saying. Which brings me there to the go. next song, which is the total opposite. That's your cue, Scott. Yeah, I know. I, man, I'm off because... Well- I tried to. Uh, it was I such to a good the... segue. All oh, you no. had to do God was hit play. It. I did hit play, but I forgot the faders. <laughs> <laughs> That is Strength in Numbers by Prophets of Rage, which is made up of Tom Morello, Tim Comerford, Brad Wilk of Rage Against the Machine, and of course Chuck D, DJ Lord of Public Enemy, and Be Real of Cypress Hill. Three of those groups are some of the most well-respected, biggest names in all of music, not just hip-hop. 
You have Rage Against Machine, Public Enemy, Cypress Hill. Holy shit, coming together. Are you kidding me? That's the that is my dream, my 18-year-old dream lineup. And then it's like, I mean, I like that. I like that. But when it came out, I was so excited. Like, oh, this is gonna be fucking awesome. And I played it. I'm like, oh, just this sounds like a B-side of Rage. This just sounds like unreleased Rage Against Machine songs. So it's like, do hmm. do we set a expectation too high for when you are all these... All, I mean, you're telling me Chuck D of Public Enemy and Be Real of Cypress Hill are going to get together and rock out with Rage Against the Machine? Are you kidding me? How can that not be good? Well, I've already put too much pressure on it. You know what I mean? Like, that was a mm-hmm. great... I like that song. Listen to that right now. Like, I like this. I mean, when it for came me, out, I was like, oh, God. What year is this? This was pretty... Re- 2017. 2017. I mean... For me, the production is really good. Mm-hmm. Like when I was listening to it in the car, it was like pumping. Like it's super compressed. Mm-hmm. Like from a production standpoint, it's really like aggressive and like mm. it sounds great production wise. And I enjoyed it, but yeah, it does sound like you know, yeah. oh, this is a Rage B side. Yeah, or it's I just, mean, I, but I think that might there has to be intent there because yeah, they're totally telegraphing it with the name. It's prophets yeah. of rage. Yeah. They're not saying, "Oh, this is something totally new." It's like a twist on rage, and it's but it just didn't, it was almost like a tribute band, and not anything mm. that moved my needle. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, I mean, and, and that's probably unfair expectations of this group getting together. But the difference between this and Audio Slave is Audio Slave did kind of change totally the sound. different sound, yeah. not Total even not even sound. in the same ballpark. Where this yeah. is Rage Against Machine with two of the the greatest MCs of all time. But that also brings me up to the the fact of. Supergroups and hip hop, which is a very different kind of like the genre of hip hop and supergroups, isn't really a thing because hip hop is known for posse cuts. You know, Native Tongues is a supergroup because it consisted of De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest and leaders of the New School, mm-hmm. but they never really made they didn't make an album together. Mm. And it's like to you, it's like didn't change a genre. It's just guys getting on get, getting on the beat and doing 16 bars so like super groups and hip-hop doesn't really exist i mean I, there's look boot camp click is different because it's got separate groups from brooklyn that got together to form uh you know def squad is eric sermon Redman, and keith murray but they're all buddies anyway like I don't know. It's mm-hmm. just it's hard. It's it's hard to have a super group in hip hop. So that's why when Chuck D and Be Real get together, add a little um, Rage Against the Machine, it's pretty awesome. So it, as much as the it kind of fell flat for me, uh, it was it was still pretty it was still pretty cool to see them all get together. And uh, you know, Emilio Savone yeah. just walked in and totally interrupted <laughs> the flow of it. But that's, he does it on purpose, and that's what's driving me crazy. Like, just don't come into the room, you know? Yeah. You know we're doing a podcast. Yeah, so, you know. Um, Take that, French people. I think that what what the, what the you're talking about is that there's things that are inherent to hip-hop and jazz, which is like playing with each other in uh, different ways. This is sounding very sexual. Well, the like, well, yeah. the Miles but Davis band, like anybody who's played with Miles to, Davis, if, that's not a super group. That's just what was going on. Yeah. yeah, but that's what I mean is that like, there's there's so many jazz like in the blue note stuff mm-hmm. like where so many different sessions came together with different jazz guys and blah 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 they're not super groups yeah, yeah. it's just inherent in the genre yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's a posse cut yeah. I, you don't call that in jazz but that's what it is it's a posse cut and that's a, why like Wu Tang Clan is not a super group because they were already super or they weren't anything when they got together mm-hmm. and then they all spawned off to become who they became well for me this episode has been great because I've found some new discoveries and also there's some albums that I want to go down a rabbit hole with and really discover some new music that I haven't listened to. This is a super group, the Traveling Wilburys. The the quintessential super group. Which the was, greatest of all time. Which the was greatest good. super group. It was the good, super. right? Or was it not good? I don't know. Well, that's the thing. It is pretty good. How, can you listen to Jeff Lynne, uh, George Harrison, Tom Petty, uh, Roy Orbison, and be like, oh, whatever they do isn't going to be good? Of course not. But then you listen to it like, I don't know, maybe it's not that good. But I like. I this think song. it's pretty good. I think it's pretty. Good. I think pretty it's pretty good. good. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, they lived up to the hype. That pretty much sums up super groups. Yeah, <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Take us out, Nick. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure you're checking out our our, our sponsor, Silk City Hot Sauce. Go to silkcityhotsauce.com. Use the code PINCH. You get 15 off your entire order. Thanks for listening, folks. Like, share, follow, 
do all that stuff. Thanks a lot, France. And next week we're doing Madonna, Madonna right? Madonna 2022. Maybe somewhere down the